Paul Behan is an entrepreneur, music, TV, and film producer, and the founder of Manimal Records. He was born in San Diego, and as a child was always interested in the music business, even starting his own imaginary record labels. Eventually, he started playing music and joined up with a few bands around the San Diego area. But as his friends and bandmates went on to do well as musicians, Paul realized he didn't feel like he was cut out to make a career playing music. He needed to change, so he headed up the coast for Los Angeles and ended up going back to school and actually found himself working in the world of fashion in New York. But that path would eventually draw him back into the music business he had once been so eager to leave. From starting a record label to putting on live festivals, now Paul is excited to bring something big to Malibu Canyon. I'm Bobby Gonzalez, and this is Spoken Dreams. My name is Paul Behan. I am an entrepreneur based in Los Angeles, now Calabasas, California. I'm the founder of Manimal Records. I'm a music producer, uh, recently switching over to film and television. Uh, my other companies are Calabasas Film and Media, Heritage Film Archive, and the newly started Maliwu Music Festival. So my story begins in San Diego in the 70s. I was born to a single mother who kind of came from nothing. You know, I, I, I grew up with three older half-siblings, really small, kind of cozy part of San Diego. Um, I was kind of the oddball um, compared to my, my older siblings who were a little bit more uh, carefree, where I, I would probably say at the age of six or seven, I started my imaginary businesses in my bedroom. I had an imaginary record label, which I'm not going to tell you the name because it's quite embarrassing, uh, but I did have quite a quite a strong vision as a child that I knew I wanted to work in the industry. Even though none of my family members, none of my friends, nobody associated with my family had anything to do with music, television, film, any of that stuff. But MTV was a huge part of my life. I have a vivid memory of a hot August day in 1981. My older half-brothers were hot-wiring our cable box so we could get this thing called MTV. And I remember sitting in a beanbag chair in the living room as a little kid and seeing I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett come on the television and that's where it all kind of changed. From there I was fascinated with music. I mean music was a really big part of my life. I uh, ended up playing music. I ended up playing in bands in San Diego in the 90s. Um, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to play in a couple of bands with some other musicians who went on to actually make a living doing this and at one point I was a bit left out all my friends had kind of like quote-unquote grown up moved out of San Diego got to see the world I got to see a little bit of America as a musician but I think I was a little bit too sensitive and a little bit too emotional to handle everything that came with the music industry at that time and you know what do you do when you're somebody who's painfully I guess agoraphobic and a little bit <laughs> withdrawn from stepping foot into any sort of you know, industry environment. Uh, you moved to Los Angeles. I moved to Los Angeles the end of 1998. I had a little pink, a, a little pink piece of paper, like a sticky note, that had SF on one side and then LA on the other side of the one, you know, one side of the paper. 
And I remember I worked at a shoe store in San Diego and I did Eeny Meeny Miny Mo. And it landed on Los Angeles. So I ended up uh, saving up a few bucks and grabbing all my stuff and moving to Los Angeles. I, I got a little apartment in Hollywood with my girlfriend, late 90s. Kind of got a, got a uh, front row seat to all the do's and don'ts, all the things that, you know, in this, in this town. And of course, there's lots of people who tell you lots of stories. I already, I, I joined a few bands when I first moved here. And of course, you know, we're going to get signed to a major label. And it would turn out that the A&R guy just wanted to sleep with the lead singer, who happened to be a beautiful woman. And, uh, you know, I learned very quickly. I'd say within about two years of living here, I completely gave up on anything to do with the entertainment industry music I was just like okay it's not for me I'm way too sensitive you know so I ended up uh, going back to school I studied English literature and minored in cultural anthropology and while I was going to school I ended up getting a job in a, in a high-end fashion boutique on Melrose and it was there I met a really well-known editor for Vogue who offered me an internship, a paid internship in New York City for, for a, a Condé Nast publication. And I didn't have really anything to lose. My girlfriend and I broke up. Uh, I just finished, I, I'd finished my third year of college and I was gonna take a little break. I figured I was gonna just try to get some work experience. But I ended up taking this internship in New York City um, for Condé Nast. And it was exactly like Devil Wears Prada, except I was, you know, a male from Southern California, didn't go to an Ivy League, an Ivy League school, uh, got laughed at for saying dude <laughs> and saying like too many times. But I, I, I gained a lot of confidence. I learned how to hold my own in a room full of a bunch of, bunch of women, men and women who went to Yale and Harvard and uh, Sarah Lawrence, you know. So I kind of got to learn the East Coast. I, 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 I put it this way. I absolutely learned to love Los Angeles. My like for Los Angeles, my love, you know, for Southern California grew intensely after being in New York for a year and dealing with one of the worst blizzards they'd had in about 20 years at the time. So I came back here kissing the ground. I moved back after a year. I finished the internship. Um, I came back with the intention on finishing my last semester of school. And what happened? I got an agent, ended up uh, working as a fashion editor. I immediately started working with a lot of A-list celebrities, a lot of uh, movie premiere stuff, dressing, dressing my clients, you know, actors and actresses, and a lot of musicians. And that's kind of what was, was my gateway back into this world. And I can't, it kind of went back into it with a bang. All of a sudden, I went from barely being able to afford spaghetti at Trader Joe's to having a decent living, having a decent income and progressing in life, uh, eventually getting married, having kids. I would say about 2006 rolls around and I had enough resources to start a record label out of my living room. And this record label was called Manimal Records. And the original intention was to put out my friends' uh, records. And my friends happened to be uh, artists who were just on the brink. So the second record we put out was the first Bat for Lashes record. So immediately the record label went from being a little hobby that I virtually did on my, in, on, on my, in my garage <laughs> to a lucrative, a lucrative business that was all of a sudden doing quite well. And a couple years later I got to do the first record from the band Warpaint, Los Angeles uh, legends at this point now. 
I'd say by this time, you know, 2010, 2009, the label was up and going. You know, we were popping out about eight albums a year, like full-on 10-song albums, vinyl, CD, digital, all that good stuff. And they say about, about, I think when the industry switched from primarily downloads and physical to the streaming world, it kind of put a screeching halt on not just my record label, but I would say majority of the record labels that existed at the time. Around this time, 2012, was kind of a rough, rough time for me. I ended up going through a really terrible divorce, um, but at the same time, I was able to clean up my life quite a bit and clean up my life full of, you know, toxins and toxic friends and toxic people. And kind of, it was, it was kind of like a rebirth 2012. And uh, my partner now, who's now my wife, uh, she and I started a marketing firm kind of built on music, but also working with fine artists and kind of uh, heading into the idea of where we are now with film, television, and live events. Uh, we did uh, three festivals in Joshua Tree, California. Manimal Festival, 2008, 2009, and 2010. We've had lineups that included Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros, Warpaint, Ariel Pink, a lot of Los Angeles legends, mainly friends doing me, you know, coming out to play my little festival in Joshua Tree. And the first one was a success. The second one was a massive success. The third one, I think due to poor planning, um, ended up not being so great. We ended up having uh, security issues. The venue had a lot of technical difficulties. And then weather, we had some terrible, terrible wind. A lot of stuff was damaged. It was kind of horrible. So I, after that experience, you know, luckily nobody died, which was great. <laughs> but um, we stepped away from that. I stepped away from the live events and just focused again on the music company, the marketing company, and just kind of, you know, coloring within those lines. So about, I would say, the end of 2018, uh, I met a fellow who was one of the original partners with Lollapalooza. His name's Tom Atencio. He managed New Order, Gwen Stefani, uh, Jane's Addiction. He was, you know, he goes, his, I mean, Tom Petty, he goes back to like the early 80s. And he kind of nudged me a little bit about the idea of getting back into the festival business, which of course scared the pants off of me. Tom kind of gave me a kick in the butt and said, I think you should get back in the festival business. And in fact, I got a great venue for you. And then the venue just happened to be about 10 minutes from my house in Calabasas, just on the border of Malibu Canyon. It's called King Gillette Ranch. And we started planning. I, I locked in the venue, but still couldn't come up with a name for the festival. And we'd gone through a couple different, uh, I guess, a couple different titles for it, a couple different themes. And the general theme that stuck was the focus on mental health. Obviously in Los Angeles, homelessness is a huge problem. I think just mental illness, I think the lack of health care for people with mental illness in Los Angeles, I think is a massive problem. So part of the festival was to raise some funds for a cause that I felt really, really connected with. And that cause kind of narrowed down to our friend David Lynch. He has the David Lynch Foundation, which uh, teaches transcendental meditation to uh, veterans with PTSD, high-risk or at-risk youth, and uh, survivors of trauma. So that became a huge part of this festival. We were uh, able to bring in David Lynch Foundation as a 10% partner. They will be receiving 10% of the ticket sales. 
we're currently locking in the lineup. I'm not allowed to say the lineup yet, but I will say that if you look at Manimal's past discography, it's safe to say that about 90% of all the artists I've worked with will have something to do with this festival. Um, the name Maliwu, I get a lot of laughs from my production team over at Knitting Factory about it, but the term Maliwu is the ancient Shumash word where Malibu came from, which the literal translation is where the surf is loud. And um, once I read that, I just thought to myself, I have to call it Maliwu. It's, it's a word that has been underused, and it's a word that has a lot of meaning because everybody uses the word Malibu for marketing. <laughs> you know, rum, Barbie, <laughs> tropical punch. You know, they, people want to use the word Malibu to market anything. You know, coconut, whatever the hell it is. But, you know, it's a fantasy uh, what Malibu actually is. I mean, Malibu's, you know, the it's kind of like everybody's end game in a lot of ways is to kind of go okay when I'm old I'm going to have a house in Malibu on the beach so I think taking that spirit of calming down and simply shedding yourself of the hecticity that it takes to living in the city or or pursuing your goals whether you be an actor or or an actress or a producer or a director or a musician whoever that you know whatever the heck you're involved in we all kind of look for that utopian place where we can kind of go Count me in. The Malibu Music Festival sounds like it's going to be awesome. You definitely want to keep an eye out for that lineup announcement. For more information on Paul and the Malibu Music Festival, visit ktla.com slash spoken dreams where we'll have some links for you to check out. Be sure to follow us on social. You can keep up with all of KTLA's podcasts on Instagram and Twitter at KTLA Podcast. And you can follow my personal Instagram at Sounds Like Bobby. I post weird and funny pictures and videos and things like that. Hey, thank you to everybody who has subscribed to this podcast and shared it with others. You can find Spoken Dreams wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, be sure to leave a nice comment and review. I read and appreciate them all. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. And until next time, break a leg. <laughs>